hold on to those songs, Miss Ashley. All right, we'll sing a couple of those next time, okay? But I want to get into our study here tonight in Philippians. And um, this is part two of Joy in Serving Jesus. Uh, I don't know if some of you might remember, but I, I was teaching on this particular passage, Philippians 2, 16 through 18, and we stopped short and uh, of where we were trying to get to. Uh, we spent more time with point number one than I was anticipating and um, which is not a bad thing, but um, but nonetheless, um, we're here in uh, Philippians two and tonight. And what we have been doing is um, we have been studying topically now through the book of Philippians after we've already studied through it uh, expositionally. Uh, I have never done this before, and. Uh, and I've never studied through a book two times in a row, uh, back to back. Um, come to find out that Doug's old pastor in uh, Illinois did the exact same thing that I'm doing now. So, uh, so maybe I've got something right. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, same book, same idea, studied through it expositionally, and then went back and studied through it uh, by looking topically at all the instances of joy that are found within the book. So, uh <laughs> so, he's been at it a little bit longer than I have, though. <laughs> so, uh, and um, but um, so that was encouraging to me to just to just hear that. And um, but I, I I don't have the number in front of me, and forgive me for that. But I, I believe I believe I'm not misspoken by saying that I believe the word joy or rejoicing or some variant is found about 19 different times in the. In this little epistle, so there's no uh, there's no wonder to why uh, pastors, uh, even books, are written, and why people come up with the theme uh, that Philippians is the epistle of joy, and we've been studying topically through each one of these, and uh, we have made our made our way here to verse number 16, um, 17, and 18. And we notice here tonight, and I'll get this thing turned on, it says here in verse number 16 now, it says, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice, and there's our word there, uh, in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain, yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Now, if you haven't been with us a little bit, let's just review a couple of things. First of all is that the word joy or rejoice is uh, several different uh, Greek words that are throughout our New Testament. It's not the same word. It's, it's different words. In fact, there's about... Um, I, there's there's several different ones. Uh, I don't want to misquote myself again, but uh, there's many different words that compile this one word, rejoice or joy. And, and though we might think of it as the same thing, it is a little bit different. There is a little bit different connotation that goes with each one of them. Uh, but even in our own language, we understand that, uh, that if I have joy, that it's probably a little bit different than the action verb or the verb of rejoicing. Uh, I'm rejoicing now. I'm, I'm happy. I'm rejoicing over this fact. 
And, um, and so just to call that to your attention, because you do see the difference there in verse 16, he says that I may rejoice. Um, and then in, in verse number 17, I joy or do you joy and rejoice with me. So some different wording there. Um, but all of it has the idea of this word joy that is associated with it. And in these three verses that we're looking at here this evening, we find the highs and what I call the highs and the lows of ministry and service towards others. Uh, The ministry and ministry is not easy and it's not always pleasant, but it also can be rewarding and full of joy. It doesn't matter if you're ministering to children or ministering to adults or ministering to your co-workers. Paul sums up for us that the ministry he had was in Christ. Uh, it was in the Lord. And that's very important. All ministry should be done in the Lord. If you're not doing it in the Lord, then you're not doing it for the Lord. And if you're not doing it for the Lord, then you'll find yourself burnt out and discouraged and possibly wanting to quit. And say, I don't want to do that anymore. Like we said just a moment ago, getting kind of jaded about things and saying, ah, you know, why are people like the way they are? And you can kind of get a little frustrated in life. There was one time a pastor said, he said, the ministry would be great except for the people. And, uh, and so, uh, but then another pastor said there would be no ministry except it be for the people, right? So you can't have ministry without people. It's impossible to do so. But sometimes we speak of joy as something that is entirely independent of our circumstances. And I understand that definition. I understand that meaning. Uh, But the scriptures oftentimes do not speak of joy in that way. When I say that, what I mean is this, is I know and you know and we all know that our joy is to be centered, founded, grounded in Jesus Christ the Lord. That's where it's at. There is no doubt about that. But that is not to say that our joy can be hindered or it can be hurt or it can be uh, it can be grow stagnant, if you will, uh, by the uh, actions, uh, whether positive or negative in the lives of other people that are around us. As I said last time, um, it would bring a parent no joy to find out that their children are involved in drugs that, that brings no joy to a parent. That brings, that brings no happiness to them. Uh, so when we're understanding this particular passage, verses number 16, 17, and 18, uh, we've got to understand it from that point of view, is that Paul is teaching them that, you know, uh, I would want you to, uh, I rejoice in the day of Christ, uh, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Now, he spoke to the Galatians in a different way, he told the Galatians that he felt like he, would, he had labored in vain for some of them because they actually were going back on some of the teachings that he had taught them. The Corinthians were the same way. Uh, so the point being here is that uh, Paul is teaching these Philippians, don't be like that. Uh, I'm in this moment, I'm rejoicing of you, in you lest I have run in vain. I'm, I'm rejoicing in the day of Christ uh, that I have not run in vain, neither have I labored in vain. Um, so there is, uh, and I said this last time, and this is just a review, is that there is, there can be a spoiled joy. That's what's point number one. There can be a spoiled joy, a lack of joy when people you have sacrificed for stop holding forth the word of life. 
Joy can be negatively affected by backsliding, uncommitted followers of Jesus Christ. Um, they can be held back. There's no joy in a person or a church or a couple that stops serving God and stops following the Lord. There's no joy in that. Um, there's no joy in that. You know, we're going to be having uh, revival meetings. And, but I'm not praying for a backdoor revival, okay? I'm not praying for people to leave. I'm pray, praying for people to repent. Amen? I mean, that's what we need. We need repentance. We need conviction of soul. We need, we need uh, sorrow of sin. We need uh, a, a desire, a rein, reinvigorated desire to serve Jesus Christ uh, like perhaps we used to have. Uh, so there is a spoiled joy, and I won't spend too much time on this. I already spent a whole entire message on it. But nonetheless, uh, joy is in Jesus, but joy can be negatively affected and hindered by the lives of others. Read the Jeremiah's tears over Jerusalem. Look at our own Lord. Was not his joy when they were in the garden? What did he do? He cried and he wept. Great sweat drops of blood. Um, and sometimes we don't talk like this, uh, but it's good that we see it here in the scriptures, um, how this can affect our joy. Think about the time when Ananias and Sapphira were killed by God. Do you think there was joy in the church on that day? What about when Achan uh, sinned his sin and 36 men died in the camp? 36 uh, wives lost their husband that day. Uh, there was no joy in the camp that day. Unlike the day before, whenever they had just invaded Jericho and won a great battle. So now you find Paul saying to these folks here in verse number 16, he says, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. And really, all I preached on last time was that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. That's really all we looked at. Um, that was really the only uh, exposition that we brought out. But tonight we want to bring out two other things, and that is this. Last time we saw spoiled joy, and tonight we want to see the source of our joy and the servants of joy. He tells them here, holding forth the word of life. So there can be a spoiled joy in those that you have served, that you have helped, that you have ministered to, but then go another way. But there's also, on the flip side, there is a source of joy in watching people serve God. Amen? I mean, there's a joy in watching your children serve the Lord. Um, there is. There's a joy in watching people serve God. So instead, he says to them, he tells them to hold forth the word of life. Now, what is the word of life? That is the gospel. That's the word. That's the Bible. And now he breaks that down in verse number 15 whenever he says that you may be blameless, harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Does that not sound like us today? Does that sound like the church, what the church needs to be today, right? Think about that. That we may be blameless, harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. The, per, the, what life? the picture is obvious. Jesus said that we are the what? Light of the world. Ye are the light of the world. Okay? Jesus told us that. 
So the, the, the word picture is obvious. He says that you're shining as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. You see the word picture, don't you? It's like a torch, right? He's holding forth the word of life. The word of life is like a torch. It's lighting the way. It's leading others to Christ. It's showing people the way uh, in order that they might be saved. You and I are like a torch that is to be held out, lighting the way for all the weary travelers that are out there. We're to shine forth the word of life for Jesus Christ. No matter if people want to hear it or want to see it or not, we're bound to this. This is our obligation. This is what we've been. This is what we've been called to. This is what we are. Ye are the light of the world. That really struck me one day when I was reading through the Sermon on the Mount. He said, ye are the light of the world. Ye are the salt of the earth. It's not that you might be or that you're, you're like this or anything. It's not a, it's not a, it wasn't, there was no analogy, there was no simile uh, effect here. It was a direct metaphor, right? Ye are the light of the world. I mean, he is telling us who we are uh, in, this, in that case. We are bound to this. Can you imagine Paul's delight when he get back, gets back to the church of Philippi after his release in Rome? And uh, remember in chapter number four, he was trying to resolve a little dispute between Yodius and Cynthia. And can you imagine his delight and joy when he gets back to the church in Philippi and sees that they've uh, made up and resolved their differences? I mean, that would have been a joy for him, for his heart. It would have been a joy for his heart to see uh, new believers there in the assembly. And that would have been a joy to his heart. I mean, what, maybe, I don't know, what if, what if one of the Philippian jailers, young boys, they said, hey, hey, he just got called to preach. I mean, can you imagine the joy that, have been in, that would have been in uh, Paul's heart to hear those kinds of things. So uh, there is a joy that swells up in our hearts whenever people are serving the Lord, when people are serving God. You say, I don't really make much of a difference to this church. Listen, you do. You make a huge difference. You say, I'm not the preacher. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. People see you. People notice you. People, 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 uh, people look at you, and it brings people joy to see others serving the Lord. You say, they're not serving like I'm serving. That doesn't matter. We don't compare ourselves among ourselves, right? If we do, he says, that's not wise. That's not wise. It would have brought him great joy. And I believe he did have some joy when he went back to that church at Philippi. He said he was going to go back, and I believe he did. We are called to be a source of joy to others. We are called to be a source of joy. He says, holding forth the Lord of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. He says, he says I'm, I'm holding, you need to hold that white forth so that I may rejoice. Now, that might sound a little selfish, right? That I may rejoice in the day of Christ. You know, I, I'm hoping my kids grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and serve God so that I can rejoice. You know, I hope that in five years you're growing in the Lord and serving God. And if you're still 
in Austin, Texas, that you're still coming to this church and, and that you're, you're at a better place spiritually uh, five years from now than you are right now. I hope so. That brings joy to my heart. That brings joy to me. Brings joy. We are called to be a source of joy to others. Because we are called into the church, we are called to be made, we are called to be witnesses. We are called to be witnesses. Isaiah 43, 10 and 11 says, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servants, whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord. Beside me there is no Savior. He says, ye are my witnesses, Isaiah said. Or excuse me, the Lord said through Isaiah, ye are my witnesses. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the children of Israel. There's no doubt about that. But is he talking to us today? Are we his witnesses? Of course we are. Acts 1.8 tells us that we are. But for Isaiah 43, 43, 10 and 11 apply to us just as much as it applied to the children of Israel. They're obviously not being the witnesses that they should be today. The Jews are not being the witnesses of God. They're not witnessing about the Messiah as a whole. I know there are some that are redeemed. I don't doubt that. But I'm saying as a whole... The Jewish nation has turned their back on God and the Messiah. Now we have been called to be witnesses, to be the servants that have been chosen to give out his, his, his particular message, and that is the gospel. We have been kept on earth for that pers- purpose. If it were not for some such design, we would have gone to heaven in our conversion. Why did we stay here? So that we, can be, so that we, could, be a, so that we could be a witness to others. So that we could be holding forth the word of life. That's why. So that we could stay pure and stay clean. And so that we could stay true to the word of God. And stay true to holding up the word of life. And being harmless and blameless sons of God. And without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. That's what we've been called to be. And that brings joy, folks. That brings joy. When you're a witness, why did God leave us here? Why, didn't, why doesn't God just rapture us up the moment we get saved? Well, so that we can tell others about Christ. So that we can be a witness to them. I find no other reason in the Scriptures than that we should tell others about Christ. We should let them know that Jesus loves them. And then thirdly, because there's nobody else to do it, right? Who else is going to hold forth the word of life? Is your unsaved neighbor going to do it? The, uh, one author wrote, The frivolous ones will not warn the fools. The proud will not warn the proud. The scoffer will not warn the scoffer. The thoughtless and the vain will not go and tell others that there is no God, that there is a God and a Savior, nor will the wicked warn the wicked and tell them that they are on their way to hell. There are none that will do His will but Christians. And if we neglect it, sinners will go unwarned, unwarned and unalarmed down to death. The duty rests on every Christian. And when Christians do this, it brings great joy. It brings joy to see others telling others about one that loves them and that died for them. It brings joy. It brings joy. 
Bruce even testified that tonight whenever he said, oh man, that's good to hear that a younger, uh, somebody younger than, much younger than him was concerned about souls. He brought joy right there. We didn't even see it. That was part of the message. I put Bruce up to that. <laughs> no, I didn't. The Holy Spirit did. Isn't that good? You see, we ought to see tonight that we're the, we're, we can be a source of joy to others. We can be a source of joy. You say, man, that's, I don't know about that. Well, doesn't that. Isn't that selfish if we don't want to be a source of joy to others? Wouldn't that be selfish? I would think that it would be. Our duty is to hold forth the word of life, that we may bring joy, that we may rejoice in the day of Christ. But listen, Paul is not saying for his own sake, though. Did you notice the preposition? That he may rejoice when? In the day of Christ. In the day of Christ. Why does a, why does a, why does a preacher... Why would a preacher preach what he preaches? Why, would he, why does he do that? Does he do it for his own benefit, for his own glory? If he's doing that for his own benefit or for his own glory, he's doing it for the wrong reason, all right? But if he's really preaching the Word of God and trying to help people, he wants them to be helped, right? And he wants people to act upon what's being preached, Why? So that he can look good? No. So that Christ can be magnified. But also for your own sake. For your own sake. For your own help. For your own own, uh, uh, day whenever you'll meet the Lord and you'll stand before God and at the judgment seat of Christ. And that when you stand before Him that you'll have a life that's worthy That's why he's preaching. And when you stand before the Lord and you've held forth the word of life like your preacher has said, and when you stand before the Lord, you know what? There will be joy, not for his sake, but for your sake. And for the Lord's sake. Because ultimately is that we're just all working together, amen? For one single solitary purpose. And that is the glory of God. That is the end means. That is the purpose of our life. The glory of God. That God may be glorified in everything that we do. Whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, may God be glorified. May God be lifted up. May God be the one that is the center of attention. So then he speaks of the servants of joy. The exhortation is not just given to the preacher, but to every believer. The exhortation here is not just made to the pastor or to any other officer of the church particular, but it is to all members. They are to shine as lights in the world. They are to hold forth the word of life. There is not one member of this church that is irrelevant to the cause of Jesus Christ. Not one of us. We all have a voice. We all have knees. We all can pray. We all can ask God for things. We, can all can, we, all can, uh, we all have hands to hand out a gospel tract. We have something to give in order that somebody else can be helped. None of us are exempt from this obligation. 
You say, how do we do it? How do we bring joy into the lives of others? How do we, how do, we do that? And let me just say this. I didn't put this in the message, but the Lord just kind of hit me with this. Okay? If there is joy and rejoicing over one sinner in heaven, they get saved, right? Am I right on that? Yeah. One sinner, right? I don't have the exact quote and I don't have the reference, but, the, the, but there's, joy over one, there's joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, right? Okay? All right? There's joy in your pastor's heart. There's joy in the day of Christ. But let me ask you a question. There's, there's, there's joy in your life. Two other things. If you won somebody to the Lord, do you think that would bring joy to you? But almost more important than all of those things besides Christ, don't you think that would bring joy to that lost person that never had joy before? And you know what? They'll remember you. I'm not saying that's why you do it. That's the impact. The impact... Listen, I didn't even get saved at a revival meeting. But just the impact of the gospel. And for a man being faithful to preach the word of God and be an evangelist and go out and preach the word of God, you know, just the effect of the gospel was enough for me to still remember that. And though I didn't even get saved. You know, isn't that amazing? You say, well, I didn't, I didn't lead them to the Lord. Yeah, but you know what? I have talked to countless people that have told me that are saved and have told me the three, four, five, or six times that they've been witnessed to and they can remember all the times. Oh, yeah, my uncle tried to witness to me before I ever got saved. Oh, my mom, she was always doing that. Oh, you know, I had this neighbor that was always, you know, hounding me. You know, but it wasn't until dot, 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 dot. You know? You don't know what God's doing. They're servants of joy. The exhortation is not just given to the preacher, but it's given to all of us. How do we go about accomplishing this joy? Notice what he says here. And forgive me, I was mistaken. I don't know what I was thinking, but this message on joy is all it is about is verse number 16. All right? It's not about verses 17 and 18. That's a totally different joy that we'll look at next time. All right? So I don't know why I read 17 and 18, uh, but it's a totally different aspect of joy that I'm looking forward to presenting. But um, this is just dealing with verse number 16. And the joy that, we, that is brought about by sharing the gospel, by giving out the gospel, by telling others about Christ. So how do we do that? Number, number, number one, servants of joy. We've got plenty of time. Man, I say a lot here in 14 minutes. So, Verse number 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is the will of God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Okay? First of all, how, do we, how are we going to be servants of joy? Number one. By doing it by example. Leading by example. Being a servant of joy, being a witness for Christ, here it is, when no one is watching. When your pastor isn't there. 
when your wife isn't at home. Being an example of joy. I don't know if this applies or not, but I thought it went well. Is that, you know, I used to go to a church at one time that if the pastor was ever out of town, about over 50% of the congregation wouldn't show up to church. <laughs> and uh, I used to always, I, you know, I was like, man, what a, what a poor testimony. You know, why are we coming to church? You know, we come into church for the pastor, man. I hope not, man. I mean, I guess if he's a bad pastor or whatever and he's not preaching the word, you're probably not going to go to that church or anything like that. But, but that ought not to be our motivation for church, amen? Really ought not to be. But sadly, that happens a lot of times. Uh, we ought to do it by conversation. Verse number 14. We're servants of joy by, number one, by example, but number two, by our conversation. He says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. There is no Christian who has not some influence over the minds and hearts of others. We are bound to the word of life. But if we're constantly murmuring and complaining, then we're not going to be a good testimony for the cause of Jesus Christ. It will hurt, in fact, hurt our testimony. People will be more reluctant to listen to us because all they have ever heard from us is murmuring and complaining. And plus, nobody is a source of joy when they're murmuring and complaining. Right? I mean, there's, there's no, you know... They don't call the complaint box the joy box, right? They don't, they don't call that right there, do they? You know, that's not what they call it. Number three, by efforts to send the gospel to those who have it not. Look here at verse number 15. He says that you may be blameless, harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. We ought to uh, do something to get the gospel to others. There's nothing, there's, there's something that all of us are, can do. There's almost no one who cannot contribute something, uh, though it may be two mites to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the gospel efforts to get to reaching the lost. There, there's, there's something we can do. And then by defense, defend your faith. Stand up for your faith. That's how you're servants of joy. We lead by example. We produce it out in our conversation. We, uh, we, we are uh, effectively sending out the, the, the means to help the gospel get around the world. Don't you think it brings joy to a missionary's heart uh, to get a little extra check in the mail? To get, the, to get the gospel out to somewhere else. Man, that, that just brings, that's God. I, I mean, you should have heard, I wish I could play the voicemail message that uh, Brother LaBelle uh, uh, sent me whenever he, uh, Alex got there and they gave him all that food and everything uh, that we packed away in the suitcase. And uh, you should have been there today. I was, 
I was trying to, we were, we, were, we were packing it in this suitcase and that suitcase. We had about 72 pounds of food, all right? And on an international flight, you can only, uh, his ticket would only allow for a 50-pound bag, all right? So we were putting food here and food there and everything. And then I forgot that you can't have liquid in the carry-on and everything. So it was a big mess. But we got it all organized. And 72 pounds of food went to, went to uh, Sierra Leone, Africa. And, man, he, he called me. He, put, he gave me a voicemail message. And just, this, this, man, his, he was just beaming. He was excited. He was so happy, you know? It's a lot cheaper to, to, to fly it over there whenever you're flying, all right, than it is to mail it. Man, he was excited. He was excited. Don't you think a missionary's happy whenever, you know, he says, he says, you know, we're really in need for a new roof on this building. And when the people you serve, when the, when the, when the roof costs, you know, $12,500, and the people you're serving make a $1.50 a day, <laughs> Kind of hard to get a new building, you get a new roof on the building real soon, right? And then one church sends them a thousand, and somebody else sends them two thousand. Says, "Man, man, this thing's coming in, and God just provides." That's joy. I mean, it brings happiness. It's excitement. It's encouragement. Joy is encouraging, isn't it? It really is. And then number five, by rebuking sin. He says that in verse 15. He says, among whom you shine as lights. What is, what is, or excuse me, he says, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. We ought, to, we ought to be rebuking sin. When somebody lives out their faith in Jesus Christ, there is real joy and there can be real rejoicing. There's joy, as I said in the introduction, there's joy in the face of a teacher when she sees the lights come on for a student. There's joy in the life of a father and a mother whenever a child listens to their parents' instructions. And there's joy in the life of a pastor when someone trusts Christ or somebody does the right thing after counseling or to even watch somebody that's been a long-time believer in the Lord go through a difficult situation, yet come out shining as gold. John wrote in 3 John 1.4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And you know what? There will be rejoicing and joy in the day of Christ whenever we gather around the throne and we've held forth the word of life Listen, we, we will not run in vain, neither labor in vain. It will be worth it all when we see Christ. Father, we're thankful for the joy of serving you. May God, you help us to serve you more, to love you more, to be guided by your hand. Now give us your grace as we serve Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.